Welcome to the Lentil Intervention Podcast, raising awareness and inspiring action for personal and planetary health with your hosts, Ben and Emma. Hello, everybody. My name is Ben Eitelberg. And I'm Emma Strutt. And welcome to episode 31. Remember to subscribe to this podcast and buy us a coffee. We're getting very thirsty. <laughs> Following on from the last episode with Dr. Martin Williamson, we bring you another recording from their Evidence-Based Eating New Zealand series of health-focused public lectures. So the Dunedin theme was avoiding severe illness. And our next speaker is? That's right. Our next speaker is the wonderful Yvette Hall. So Yvette Hall is a medical student and here she discusses her personal and family journey to adopting a plant-based lifestyle and the lack of nutrition in medical training. So we hope you enjoy what you hear and as a reminder, if you do, please check out the EBE website to find out more details on their upcoming events in Auckland and Wellington. Thank you everyone for coming today. Um, my name is Evie or Yvette, depending on what you want to call me. I'm happy with either. I'm from Raglan and I'm living in Dunedin at the moment to study medicine. Thank you, Grant, for the introduction. And also everyone for coming out on this drizzly Sunday evening. Um, I appreciate that. Uh, to be up here speaking alongside the experts is a little intimidating. Uh, so hopefully I can add something to the, to the conversation. But mine is not going to be science-based. It's actually just my personal journey with nutrition and that of my family's really. Um, so this is a photo from last week. I was down the Whanganui River and I was thinking about the concept of nutrition. It's really confusing at times if you Google things and there's lots of stuff and people tell you don't eat this and do eat that and it's a little bit like trying to walk through a thick forest. But so um, Hold on. Uh, so I'm going to leave um, kind of the science part out and just go on what my journey's been through the river to try and work out um, nutrition for myself and that for my family. So my journey into medicine was a bit more roundabout than most. Um, as um, I tra at 18 I went travelling overseas and it exposed me to a lot of different medical systems. I worked many different jobs and at 24 I was living in South Africa and I thought, no, I definitely want to work in healthcare. So I returned to Aotearoa and studied a myriad of things as was mentioned before. Um, at the end of my Bachelor of Biological Science um, with a second major in Māori Pacific Development returned a stack of books which my cat Sprocket is keeping warm in the picture. Um, throughout the journey, and that's how I got into medicine, throughout the journey my family in the top photo have been a huge support and um, down the bottom is my favourite two moments in medicine. Um, one on the left, the little square one with me with the little boy that's in El Salvador working in an infectious disease clinic and the one on the right was last week down the Whanganui River where I was invited to work in Pipariki in Jerusalem, which I'm not sure if any of you are uh, familiar with, but very isolated communities. And they hadn't had a doctor down there for something like 10 years because they didn't actually want one. So to get invited was quite lucky and a real privilege. And um, specifically um, speaking with this family, we talked a lot about um, while eating lamprey eel that they'd offered me and I ate with gratitude but thought gosh this is kind of hypocritical that I'm going to speak about plant-based but I, it also did help with building rapport and with starting the conversation about lifestyle changes and I like to think on the traffic light to have step out of it sometimes out of respect but for the most part I do try and live plant-based but that was a wonderful conversation and wonderful people to meet down the river. So after getting into um, Benderson, I kept thinking, gosh, I want to help people be healthy. <laughs> and I kept learning about disease and diagnosis and things like this. Um, 
and within the curriculum it seemed a little bit sparse. Um, I, I mean, Jim Mann did give, I think, one lecture, but we didn't get that much within the, the curriculum. And I looked around for it and eventually found the Integrative Medical Group, which um, was started by students who'd seen the same gaps in the curriculum. Um, in 2017 and 2018, I ended up running the group. And as a few key things, I guess, that highlighted to me how much medical students really wanted more of this kind of well-being, wellness, um, was actually the ECHO conference on um, student, uh, patient and doctor well-being, um, in which we run, ran many things. But one was a nutrition workshop where Dr. Milena Hasbin, who is a functional medical doctor and a GP, and uh, I believe functional medical doctors are like more this holistic integrative doctor from the States that have undergone formal training as a postgrad. So she ran a workshop and she's in the corner there um, on becoming nutrient replete and different ways where you can use diet to do this. And that workshop had a, a wait list for people to attend. And, it, um, and in that we also went into um, how to make this cost effective because that can be a huge barrier in people's minds at least for as a student, but also for our patients. So that was really interesting. And then at the top, we've got the ACNIN conference, which ACNIN being the Australasian College of Nutrition and Environmental Medicine. Um, and we had 17 students that um, ACNIN said, look, if you bring the students, they can have free entry. And it's um, a couple of thousand dollars to attend these workshops. Um, and so I put it on the, the thing the same way, actually, it got circulated through the medical school about this and we had 17 students come, but they had they gave up their weekend, they paid their flights and they played accommodation. And the reason I, I raise about the time commitment and the finances that we often think with students with their workload and financial restriction that they wouldn't do these things. And it also is testament to how much it actually means to them that without much free time and without much available income, they were willing to fund to get this in their, in their curriculum, but we aren't actually getting it formally in our medical school curriculum. Um, but the most impactful talk was from Koro Esselstyn and I had sent him an email and he asked if we got any content in our curriculum and I said no and we, we set up a Zoom talk. And I'm not sure who's here might be familiar with the Hunter Centre but the Hunter Centre is where most medical students do our, um, I guess our learning space, it's not as much on this campus, it's kind of in the rooms there. And the bottom floor, um, there's the G uh, seminar rooms, G10, A and B, and we opened up the middle doors thinking, gosh, that's going to be excessive. <laughs> uh, but it was full to the back, and there was only standing room, and it was amazing. And this was for a Zoom call in 2017 when Zoom wasn't as big as it is now. And so, um, and that was really cool. Um, I, I thought, far out, this isn't just me that is finding this interesting. But that also links directly into my personal experience of plant-based eating. Because six months before that, and the reason I emailed Caldwell was my um, father was diagnosed with significant cardiovascular disease and given less than a year to live if he didn't have a coronary artery bypass. And for those who aren't in the medical field, a coronary artery bypass is a surgery which is um, it's quite serious, albeit sadly it's routine because there's so many get done. Um, but it, where you um, take a vein out of the leg and you kind of plummet over the top of the heart so the heart can still get perfused sort of around the blockages. Um, but that disease is actually throughout the body, throughout all the vessels, not just the cardiac ones. And so even with him getting this, he still had significant vascular disease throughout his whole body. Um, so, and with him wanting to live a really active life and be really still part of the 
world that was not really fitting with his goals for himself or really what we as a family had hoped his late retirement years would be. And that's when it got even more complicated. Um, this is my younger brother, Hayden, and at 28, he was diagnosed with um, stage three bowel cancer. And this was within only a couple of months, so our family was reeling a wee bit, um, to say the least. Uh, so I actually, I took some time out of medical school and um, went up to try and help. Um, we were all a bit like stressed about it, but um, like mum actually, she got so tired through this process driving back and forth between Hamilton and Raglan, she fell asleep at the wheel um, and luckily was fine, but it was also like my sister was doing her masters and she wasn't coping. And it was really the five of us that I showed in the beginning. I mean, they were my biggest rocks, so I felt like I needed to be there. And then attending their appointments, which was the job that kind of needed the most help really that we could do on the outside, especially when you're living between Raglan and Hamilton, which is about an hour each way. Um, I heard the oncologist say to my brother and the cardiologist say to my father that diet, you know, almost the damage is done. Diet's not really a that big a deal. And, this, and I was like, oh, wow, this is, Oh, I'm sure it is. Like, I'm sure it's actually the key causative factor, isn't it? And I was like, wow, this is, this is intense. Um, but yeah, for my brother and my dad, I guess they both wanted a life where they were going to, they were young men, they are still young men, um, where they would be able to do the things they loved and return to health. So um, anyway, a friend of ours around this time um, mentioned Forks Over Knives, and we watched it as a family and decided to go plant-based as a family. So this is us, this is Dad amongst one of the, he spent almost six months in and out of hospital actually and he's over it here and I can't believe the rest of us are smiling to tell you the truth because like I, I look at this photo and I go, what were we thinking? <laughs> but um, so, we went, um, so Dad had a quadruple bypass and my brother had a right hemicolectomy and they went plant-based and that was when we, oh, and this um, I put in for interest sake because um, when dad went plant-based he put down vegan and he was still like testing it out and this was one of the first meals he got which i don't know if you can see the beef in the corner <laughs> and that's all, no but that's also testament to that it's not easy and it does take a bit of um being adaptable and just per perseverance and also supportive people around you and to have a laugh as well because there's it didn't, it wasn't always easy. And there was also, the doctors didn't really understand what our family was trying to do. So there was a bit of skepticism as well. But um, yeah, when dad sent me this photo last night, it wasn't in my slides and I was like, I have to put that in. <laughs> so this brings me to the implications for patients because as my family is now four years down the track and enjoying really good health, um, my dad is doing more than what he ever did before. He's more involved in the community, he's more involved in our family, he's happier, he's way nicer to live with, but also he lost 30 kilos and he had been um, always in that obese category and people told him that that was genetic and I was like how do they know that because they haven't done a test on that and they haven't seen the rest of his family, <laughs> like this is, why are they saying he, it's genetic that he's obese but when he went plant-based the weight just fell off him and it, he was never hungry actually and that was the rule we said no dad you're not going to be hungry but we just need this inflammation to come down because this is scary, we want you, none of us are ready to have kids, we want you to meet your grandkids, you want that and so um, 
yeah, so that was for him. And for my brother, he's um, his girlfriend at the time, they're now engaged. He's doing tons of amazing woodwork things. He's just like, well, this isn't even part of his thinking anymore. There's no signs of cancer, which um, considering the condition he was in when it was diagnosed, his bowel was getting lots of polyps even after, but the longer he stayed on plant-based, the polyps have stopped. And now he's on like kind of the same as my sister and I on the colonoscopy screening, like he's back to five years now, which is an amazing outcome to have had such good resolution, which and without um, chemo, which was his choice, he didn't want. So, <laughs> um, Caldwell was also um, Bill Clinton's cardiologist. So, um, I might come back to some of that. Yeah, I'll just come back. But um, not only is this a health issue, but it's, it's also, a, also a human rights issue because not everyone in New Zealand is, a, is enjoying the same health outcomes. And when it comes to the um, Y2575 uh, health services equity investigation, that between 1996 and 2014, all causes of cardiovascular disease and mortality were more than twice as high for Māori. And that's, that's a public health issue, that's a big one. And that this is repeated throughout indigenous peoples and colonized countries like Australia and Canada. That this actually calls us to be more prepared and to know more about what's going on and to offer um, prevention and reversal if we are possibly able to, because it's, it's, not, it's not fair not to actually. So I guess a summary of my, my key points is that when I've been like in medicine, I've got several of my colleagues here today. Um, everyone I know who's entered medicine has wanted to help people. And most of the people I work with, I'm pretty sure they entered wanting to help people too. And let their food by saying medicine is like an old saying, but the thing is if we stop derailing ourselves natural processes, they can restore and heal themselves, which I think is really important to remember that food's not this other thing other than health. Oh, that's, <laughs> that reminds me. So we see ourselves culturally as um, meat eaters, but we're also DIY experts. And a lot of our patients want, that was the slide back with um, Bill Clinton, and a lot of our patients, they really want something they can do themselves. And I got to see that firsthand with my brother and my dad. They wanted something they could do themselves. They were frustrated to put that power into other people's hands. And it was actually watching that thing. They, it wasn't me pushing them to go plant-based. They actually wanted something they could do because waiting for that surgical date is so stressful. Was He was the youngest that any specialist, like he, uh, he'd gone to six different doctors and they, oh, you've got GERD, you've got this, there's no way you've got bowel cancer. Um, and it actually got till the tumour ruptured. So um, that wasn't a good outcome, I guess. And so at that point we were like, well, geez, we need to stop having any inflammation or anything that could derail the cell processes. Cause, so really it was almost that we were looking at, um, not even from the microbiome, but a, a little bit, but actually mainly from just we need him not to be inflamed. We need cells to do what they do and we need his immune system to, to be screening for cells that are going rogue. And it was, there is research into it, but at that point we were probably just trying to find anything and then we found the research after, but it just seemed to make sense. And then, so it was almost happened. I think it gave such a fright because, I mean, we found out the surgery happened and then we had to work out what to do after. And the chemo was only gonna add maybe 1% survival and that wasn't good enough considering the 
side effects were 100% and there are some side effects that are lifelong like the neuropathies and stuff and he's a carpenter, he works with his hands, if he had had that his livelihood was was not going to, he was going to have to find a new way to work and he was like nah I'll work through this so so he chose plant based but um, yeah I don't think we were looking, I mean the microbiome improves with it but it wasn't our primary driver, it was more like well, something's wrong with your bowel and very quickly with the colonoscopies we could see because he was on such regular um, colonoscopy screening that the first one had like I don't know I'll say 100 polyps the second was 20 and it got down to five and then it was four and then there was none and that was that was amazing to see that the the section of bowel that was left was was improving um, and so I guess yeah and then actually we did start to fight go like oh my gosh there's actually a lot of research but just I guess because dad kind of prepped us to think that way we probably flowed into it with Hayden a bit quicker as well yeah so I don't know if that quite answers but it wasn't as scientific it's probably a little bit of a panic as well going like oh my god well he can't keep doing whatever he was doing and food transits the bowel so it's possible that food's part of this so let's start there and um and then, yeah, backwards worked it out that, oh, yeah, that's a good idea. Let's keep going. And then it kept being a better idea. The more we went into it, we were like, far out. It's nothing. There's no negative to this. So why wouldn't we? We have We're time. Any more questions? Right. Down the back. Down the back. Thanks, Eddie. I appreciate the metaphorical alignment. <laughs> <laughs> I was just wondering um, if you were into doing this for a yeah, now that's a really good question and I tried to raise it with the metabolism module and I did try and raise it a few times that I tried to present things and I don't know, I guess a lot of the, my family stuff was also like I was running the talks but then my energy was running out a bit because of juggling med school and things. But it was hard to get traction. It was hard to even raise the conversation. And often when I would, they're like, oh, there's no research. I was like, I've got research. <laughs> like, I can show you because I'm doing this research for my family. But um, it did, I don't know, like, whether I'm being skeptical, but it did feel a bit smoke and mirrors. Like, I couldn't, I kept trying and it wasn't really. And in the end, I think I actually just thought, I've just got to pass. So I get to graduate with you guys. And also, um, and support my family so in the end I think I got tired but I yeah it was really hard to get anyone to talk with me about it and I was like oh this is weird because this will this is something that our patients are asking us for you know and being in clinic the sad thing is you see so many patients who they have conditions that might not have happened if not but they also are asking for for, for something they can do and we're not equipped with that and I feel like gosh it actually makes the job a lot more satisfying if you have something to say that you believe in as well rather than just like uh, take your pills you know like it actually would be a lot nicer at, I think for burnout and things as well so yeah but I, I did try so if um, anyone wants to come along we could try again <laughs> well thank you very much okay. that was a real challenge Thank you for listening to the Lentil Intervention Podcast. Make sure you subscribe and share this podcast with your friends and visit the website for more details.